Hey, Melissa. Hey, Jill. And welcome back. It's Mel and Jill Geek Out. Boop, boop. How's it going? Good. How about you? Good. Uh, because we always have to vamp. Jill very uh, kindly but sadly told me that Goodreads isn't going to be supported anymore. Yeah. And so I've had she's had Goodreads longer, but I'm more consistent on Goodreads than she is. So I have had to start moving over to another reading, tracking application on my phone because clearly I have to exist with one of those. I can't just read books and not and not track how many books I'm reading because <laughs> what world do we live in? So I uh, I picked Storygraph and I think Jill's going to move over to Storygraph too because I love a good spreadsheet and this, this gives me some of my favorite parts of a spreadsheet which are graphs. Um, so it's been a process. I haven't started yet. I... I downloaded it and I looked at it and then I looked at it enough to see that you could download the spreadsheet and import it. But like Melissa and I spoke offline, that seems like a lot. I don't know if I want to put the energy into it, but I don't think I put nearly as much effort into my Goodreads as you have. So I, that's a lot. I will say I do like, and this is a big difference between Goodreads and Storygraph is that you can pick like the edition that you read. So you can pick whether it was a paperback, hardback, digital or uh, audio. So it can track how much you're reading on in in print, in digital, in audio. It can track like how many pages you're reading through that information. Like it's it's pretty cool. Like I saw that like this year looking at just what I read, the 88 books I've read so far this year, I've read over 30,000 pages. That's a lot. I know, but I'm also super, like, this is the year I got super heavy into audiobooks because, like, 70% of what I've read this year is on audiobook. Oh, I would say most of mine are on audiobook. Actually, I think I've read more out of a book. I mean, granted, e-reader, e-book, or whatever, but still, Mm -hmm. I think I've read more in that like version than I have Mm -hmm. in a long time. So I think it's cool that you can track it though. Like you can go in and see like, Oh, I read this version of it and it can accurately track that information for you. I also actually don't think that that's the book app that I was telling you about originally. I don't think it is because I thought Storygraph had a little bit different of an interface because you said you saw one where it was like a bookshelf. Yeah. And I, I don't know what that is. Again today. I, I, when I was looking for Storygraph, I saw one called Bookly, I think is what it was. And it, I, I had previously downloaded it, apparently. Mm. So I don't maybe it was that one, but I really don't remember. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So the joys of trying to track your reading. I wish yeah. there was something similar, but for like other mediums, like tracking your movie and television show preferences, and then it could like maybe recommend things to you. Wouldn't that be cool? 
Isn't that the algorithm? <laughs> so I'm not going to be a smart ass, so, but isn't so, that the algorithm? But, like, being able to have it be cross-platform. So, like, obviously, like, Netflix's algorithm is going to serve you things it thinks you're going to like based off your previous viewing. But, right. like, to be able to, to have all of your information from Netflix, YouTube, Hulu, Prime, Disney+, Plus. HBO Max or Max, whatever the crap they're going to call it now. Uh, All of those different things across all of those different platforms. And sometimes you don't even see movies like on a streaming platform. Like there's tons of movies that I've watched long before streaming existed. So like being able to have a single location for you to store all of that kind of data and like really look at what your actual preferences are would be super cool. Google Sheets. Yeah, I, I mean, also like if some developer out there wants to build that app, like I'll kickstart it. <laughs> hey, I think you could definitely like at minimum, you could build a spreadsheet tip like, Oh tracker, yeah. And people would pay a lot of money for that. Trackers yeah. are so much fun. I think you're underselling. We, you and I love a good spreadsheet. This is true. Most Americans do not share that love with <laughs> us. So having a gooier, nicer interface than a data entry of a spreadsheet uh, this is has true. some value. This is true. But Sorry, I yawned. But it would be something that people like you and I would very much enjoy doing. Correct. Very much. I'm just a gigantic geek. So I just want to, I want to see the, I want to, I want to analyze my own personal data and have a better understanding of who I am through it. See, I would love all of that as well, except it's the filling it out part that I forget to do. I'll do great for a little while. And then I'll fall off the planet. Like I did, like I did exactly with Goodreads. Thank God it's connected to my Amazon and Audible because I don't have to go back and look and track and every single thing I've bought. So, yeah. yeah, that's the nice thing that I will miss about Goodreads is that it had that connection to my Kindle into my Audible accounts. So I didn't have to mainly go in there for anything other than the physical books I was reading. Why do you think they're stopping supporting it? They're probably going to come out with another platform or do it or or to encourage people to utilize that statistical analysis within like the Kindle or the Audible apps because it, it, they exist are not the same, but probably to try to push them into those or to come up with something else. Lame. Agreed. Lame. Well, with that, are you ready? To a totally unrelated topic of the day. But I'm so excited. I'm so excited, too. Do you want to introduce it to everyone? Yes. We're diving into Drive to Survive. We're going to start with season three. Before any other Drive to Survive fans come and yell at me, Uh, I just felt like it was a good starting point instead of going all the way back to season one because I don't like Melissa's a race fan, like a racing fan. So a motorsports type person. So I have a feeling she would probably get into it. 
However, if anybody out there is joining us, I feel like, and they want to continue into, you know, the upcoming seasons here in the future. If you go all the way back to season one, it's too far back. Like it's, it's just too far back at the moment. If you've got the time, by all means do it. But if you just kind of want to have enough of a background story so that you're kind of caught up with where we are in time, like currently, then I think season three is a decent place to start. So, but yeah, so I will let Melissa respond to that and then we'll, we'll, we'll start. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty good starting point. I have prior to this, I had next to no familiarity with F1 other than I live in a city where there is an F1 race. Um, so I, am familiar with the insanity it does to the city the weekend that it's here. Uh, But I wasn't familiar with any of the drivers or any of the teams. Like I knew who like Michael Schumacher was because he was humongous, Uh, like Mm -hmm. one of the best race car drivers ever to exist. Uh, So I just wasn't really familiar with F1 as a race. I my brain was like, it's open wheel, like IndyCar and like no IndyCar and F1 are not the same. so yeah, that that was kind of where I knew nothing, and Jill really loves it. And I was like, okay, I'll I'll be down. This sounds like a great place to start. So, so we I started watching it. It would have been twenty one, and my husband is British. I don't in case anybody doesn't remember that or from hasn't the, heard it or missed it from, from the, the Barbie episode. episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I think I've said it all the time. He's, he had watched it before, wasn't a massive fan or anything, but during COVID, uh, people, we would start put stuff on and Drive to Survive came on and I, Mark started watching it. I started watching it here and there and I got a little bit interested in, in into it. But I remember watching, I would say it was, it had to have been 2021 at some point because I remember watching the 2020 season. So or the bits and pieces of it, but I didn't care enough to continue watching outside of drive to survive. I was like, Oh, this is cool. So then the next, you know, the next season came on and I watched that one. I was like, okay, I really, I really like this. So, um, I guess it was last year in the 22 season. I really got into it. I watched I had watched Strive to Survive and really loved the show. So I was like, well, I'll give the race a shot. And it, and I, I was like, oh, okay, this is actually really good. And then I fell in love with it. Now, I say all that with a dis- big disclaimer. I am by no means an expert. I am still a very new baby F1 fan. So I will probably say some shit wrong. I will probably uh, get explain something wrong get it get a name of whatever incorrect but yeah so just bear with me I'm gonna do my best because I have a little bit more f1 knowledge than Melissa but she's got a lot of racing knowledge that I don't necessarily have so yeah I grew up in a motorsports family my when I was a really little kid my dad had a Ford Pinto that he turned into a dirt track car and so we would go dirt track racing with dad on the weekends and then he raced pretty much his whole life. He um, he was in and around all different types of racing his entire life. He's still alive. It's not past tense. Um, 
he drag raced. He was a very successful boat racer. So like a boat drag racing, which most people probably didn't even know existed, but he like set multiple world records for speed and all kinds of things. He was a very successful race car driver. And then when my brother was about eight years old, he bought him a junior dragster, which is very cool. Uh, yeah, which is a, it's not, it's a dragster, but it runs on the equivalent of a lawnmower engine, a single cylinder engine. And we did that my entire childhood. We would go all over the country and my brother would race. And then when my brother was 16, he started racing my mom's Corvette. Like a nice Corvette or? It was an 88 Corvette. So it wasn't like a new Corvette, but my mom loves Corvettes. She always wanted one. My dad knows too many people in the car business because he's always worked in the car business. And so for some, somehow that became his race car was my mom's commuter Corvette. Interesting. <laughs> and then um, when my brother turned 18, my parents bought a super comper, which if you are familiar with drag racing, you will know exactly what that is. But it's essentially like a big boy dragster. And my brother got qualified in that and he started racing that. But then when he was about 19, he was in a really bad car accident. He got hit by a drunk driver and we just had to pivot. He just couldn't like, he took a really long time for him to recover because he cracked some ribs. He, uh, he, he was pretty beat up after that accident. So we took the rest of the season off and then my dad and him raced, uh, a Mustang, like a, 2002 Mustang for a while and that was fun but then my brother moved away and now he is in he did like rally racing for a little while now he's into circle track racing uh, where he lives so like long history I grew up watching NHRA and NASCAR and uh, open uh, outlaws like sprint car racing is super fun (laughs) love it Super, super fun. So I have some like technical knowledge in this where Jill is not going to just because like I would sit in the garage and turn wrenches with my dad a lot. So I happen to know a little bit more on the technical side of things. Yeah. I mean, and just about the racing world in general as Mm -hmm. well. So please feel free to correct me if I am incorrect about (laughs) stuff. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to correct you super a lot about F1 other than being mildly impressed with like the mechanics of some of this because these cars are insane, okay. uh, like insane from a technological, like mechanical engineering perspective, like bonkers how intense mm-hmm. these cars are. Uh, very impressive. Yeah, I've turned into a massive F1 fan. Like, I I have favorite drivers, favorite teams. I have gear. We watch it on Sundays. I have, like, a group of friends I work with that we all watch it. We have an F1 fantasy group. Like, I dove head first into the F1 deep end. Just love it. It's so much fun. <laughs> all right. So with that being said... Uh, A couple of things for anybody who picked up where Melissa did starting in season three who doesn't have much F1 knowledge. So uh, they don't do a great job of explaining things, obviously, because we are I I don't remember if they do at the beginning of 
this this series. But the typically the F one season has like twenty something races, twenty three, twenty four races. Uh, starts in February, ends December ish. Uh, but this season, season three was twenty twenty season, so. Obviously, that got disrupted, and there were actually only 17 races. So what they don't explain well in the show is that there were two physical locations, one in Austria and one in Bahrain, where they actually had two races at each of those sections. So the season kicks off in Austria. They have the Austrian Grand Prix, and then they have – see, and now I'm going to say this wrong – the – Strian Grand Prix, Strian, Strian. But that was there's the second Grand Prix at Hungary, Austria. Not Hungary, Austria. That was the second one. So they were back to back. So Austria was first, July 5th, and then Strian was July 12th in 2020. And then at the end of the season, Bahrain Grand Prix was uh, the 29th of December, and then Secure, which was also at Bahrain, but it was the outer loop that was uh, the 6th of December. So, also another thing that Drive Twister 5 is not great at is timeline. <laughs> You're kind of all over the place. Like, you do start the season off kind of at the beginning in Austria, but like the rest of it, it doesn't really flow in timeline order. You're jumping around from team focus to driver focus to rivalry focus. There's not really like a succinct storyline overarching. And in mm-hmm. fact, in some episodes, I don't even think they tell you who won the actual race. And Most so. of the time, unless it's a featured driver for the episode, they don't tell you anything. Exactly. In the, in the television production world, this show would be called episodic, meaning that like you could essentially watch one episode and none of the others and understand what's going on in that episode. In theory, you could, but I feel like you have to have some kind of base knowledge. Like, you couldn't just pick it up, watch it, and be like, yeah, I totally get what's going on here. Mm -hmm. But, yes. Uh, Another thing that they do not explain is there are ten teams, and each team has two drivers. Uh, Those are the ones that you see on the grid. That is what they would call the racetrack. Uh, At the beginning, they line up in a little grid. Um, let's see, what are some other basics that people need to know? There are within the team, you've got the drivers, obviously, but there's also something that you will come to know, uh, as the team principals. They're like the CEOs slash what you would kind of consider like the team captain, I guess. Mm-hmm. They kind of run the ship. They're the face of them. And we'll point them out as we go over them through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Is there anything else that like for basic knowledge for basic basic knowledge i don't think so i think something that like i knew this a little bit because of existing in the world but like a lot of these drivers have known each other for a really really oh, yeah. long time and they all like start in go-karting That's kind of like the entry level for children into it. And then there's like an actual driver academy that they Mm -hmm. have to go through before they get into a professional level seat. Yes. And there's like a lot of, like Melissa said, there's a lot of steps to get there. 
then you kind of get to the point where you go into the formula series. So there's formula three, formula two, and then obviously F1. Um, and then now there's formula E as well. So what is E? Electric, electric vehicles. Oh, I think it's entirely electric if I'm not mistaken, because I believe, so the engine, this is, we're going to like get into the weeds super deep. One of the, one of the things that happens with F1 is that they change the rules every so often and they change driver specifications and stuff like that. So, um, the engines now are different than the ones that Michael Schumacher was driving. So I believe there are like electrical portions to this engine. Like they kind of sound different than non-electrical engines, but there are different series and they all kind of feed into F1 and you have to have what's something what's called a super license. And the only way to do that is to get through these series and kind of earn the points there. So, but it is funny because a lot of these drivers will end up with their super license in F1 and they don't have an actual driver's license. <laughs> Some of them aren't old enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, other couple quick basics. Um, tracks are all different sizes. Uh, there is a, t- it's a two hour time frame that you're supposed to finish the race in. So it's not necessarily a specific amount of time or a specific amount of laps. Depends on the race size and the time. So there's an estimate. Yellow flags are kind of like safety warnings. Red flags are big stops. Everything mm-hmm. shuts down kind of deal. And you have to have a minimum of a one one pit stop per race. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I can't really think of any other basics that people would need to know. Yeah, I mean, there's like obviously other rules about earning points and penalties and things like that. But I think this, this season specifically will give us a couple of good opportunities to talk about those in more context than just being like, there are rules and here's the probably, you know, three ring binder, thick book of rules for F1. Yeah. And we're going to go over very, very surface level. I'm not even going to get into why people got penalties or how it gets divvied out because it is a complicated system. It really mm-hmm. is. You can get that and engineering theory, tire theory, like it you can go down the rabbit hole so fast. But mm-hmm. got something for everybody. So Yeah, it's really interesting how intricate they take this because growing up, I think the closest assembly I have to this because drag racing is not the same as this at all Um, but nascar is very similar in that like it's both on our track and they have like very specific rules about the car it's much closer together in nascar because it's meant to be a quote stock car right so there's there's a lot of things that like they have to fit like they literally have this mold that they put on the top of the cars during tech inspection to make sure that they have this all the cars have the same generic, uh, like, oh my God, when you push through the air. Drag. Like. Aerodynamics. Correct. Sorry, my gotcha. brain just dropped that word out of my, out of existence. So yeah, like the, the rules are a little obviously different because they're not building these cars to have to to match each other exactly. They actually want to maybe not match the other cars exactly. Mm -hmm. To a certain extent, they all look very similar. Like, 
in general, but it's not about like having that identical like aerodynamic shape and things like that. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's actually like a perfect segue into that, into the first episode. So I promise this will be the last little bit of information that I will give you guys. And then we will literally dive into the episode. So um, kind of piggybacking off of what Melissa said, NASCAR does kind of have similar to a stock thing. The cars are very similar to each other. F1 doesn't really do that. There are specifications that you have to meet and there are certain things that you have to do and everybody does that. But um, there are only certain manufacturers that you can buy pieces from and one of those being the engines and and stuff like that. So kind of limited. But other than that, you build the car that you want. So every every year it's different. It's going to be tweaked. And then even throughout the season, they're going to bring what they call upgrades and they'll tweak it even further and make it even better. Um, so it's not stock cars. They're all different. So mm-hmm. everyone just bear that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting that we get into this later in the episode. They're not allowed to share information between mm-hmm. each other, but you can buy information from another team. And then there's this whole dynamic of listed and unlisted parts, mm-hmm. which we will get into. Which yes. I find it because obviously sometimes people are going to figure some little thing out and it's going to give them more speed or better grip or something to help them perform better during the race. And so in theory, you could buy that information from that team that's being really successful and then reverse engineer it and put it into your own car. As long as it's on the right list. As long as it's on the right list. So we'll, co- we'll come to that later in the season. But so episode one, we are opening up in Barcelona. It's pre-COVID. Uh, kind of to set the scene, Mercedes is kind of at the top of the game and has been at the top of the game for a while. Like a few years before that, Red Bull had you know been up there. Then it's been Mercedes really dominating, especially with Lewis Hamilton at the helm. Um, I believe at the start of the season, he's either at like a six or seven time champion. Um, six, because he wins his seventh in this season. Yes. Okay. That's right. So he was at the sixth. So uh, he is up there. He's at the top of his game. He's great. Mercedes. But cracks are starting to show. The cracks are starting to show. So this is, this is setting the season for uh, the toe. All right. So we open with Daniel Ricciardo. And I just kind of want to get your uh, initial impression about Daniel Ricardo. So I have to start with my initial impression of your face, just when you said his name. She had, okay. like, the biggest shit-eating grin on her face. <laughs> because he is a fan favorite, okay? And, like, I love Daniel Ricardo. Love him. <laughs> first impression of him is that he is a giant goober yeah (laughs) like super goofy super silly doesn't take anything in his life super seriously other than like the moment he puts his ass in the seat in the race car everything's kind of a joke to him but like he needs it to be that way because racing is so intense yes yes i would a hundred percent agree with you, but uh, yeah, Daniel is a fan favorite. He's one of my favorites, so I just immediately like when he, they open with him. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> He's a goober. All right. So they're doing some promo shots. You know, they're all lining up. They're doing uh, testing out at the track. And it's – you, you kind of see, all, like, a flashes of all the drivers. They're all doing yeah. a little bit of stuff. And then you see Will Buxton. Um, he is – a commentator, I believe, with Sky Sports. Um, he is not like he's a legend in his own right. Like everybody knows who he is, so he's not crafty status, but he's up there. Um, they don't ever really address this in the episode, so I don't know if Melissa's looking at me like, "Who the hell is crafty?" But <laughs> on race days, there is on the Sky Sports channel, which is the the announcer that I listen to, I like him. He's kind of the classic one for me, but he's the guy that says lights out and away we go at the beginning of every race. So he's my favorite. But anyway, you see Will Buxton, he's well known. He's out there. He's the Daryl Waltrip who says boogity, boogity, boogity at the beginning of a NASCAR race. There you go. (laughs) And I, I will say like, just to touch on the testing, I'm really surprised that, and maybe this is just, they didn't tell the story well enough. Like, that they don't test until they're all together in Barcelona. Like in my experience with racing teams will, a teams can have way more than two drivers, but like teams will rent out their quote hometown track close to their shop and they'll test in the off season. So they'll go try new things and test it out. And the fact that they, it seemingly doesn't happen in F1 is very interesting to me that like every time the track, like the car is on the track, there's an audience. I think I know they do their own testing at at their home bases and stuff, but I think that, and I could be way off base here, but I do think that they wait until like they kind of all unveil it at once. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the beginning of this season, people were like, "It's funny because they all like look around the cars and you see the drivers like staring at it, and you're like, oh, this one looks good, this one looks da 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 and." It's funny because they accuse them of sandbagging all the time. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it looks like this. They get on there. It doesn't do as great as they think it will. They're like, oh, yeah, they're faking. They're totally faking. They're sandbagging everybody. And it's like, well, maybe. All right. I don't know. Welcome to the universal complaint of every single race drive, like race car driver of in existence. You're sandbagging. <laughs> because yeah. holding back from doing 100% from the get-go is apparently the biggest thing baddest thing you can do according to a race car driver it's like the cardinal sin don't you dare hold back and keep anything from being completely seen by everyone else instantaneously but then then when they do it well i'm just i'm just you know holding stuff in reserve yeah like shut up (laughs) give me a break give me a break we'll do it did you catch that uh danny flipped off the camera Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. I thought that was funny. All right. So uh, then they kind of refocus onto Racing Point and Daddy Stroll. So what do you think about Racing Point and uh, Daddy Stroll? I think it was interesting that it was obviously like a struggling team in 2019. And then this random billionaire comes in and essentially just bankrolls them. My literal, and I had to write this down, mind you. I We take notes as we... In- indulge in these things my note was Lawrence Stroll seems like a dick (laughs) 
His team color is also Pepto-Bismol pink, and I hate it. Yeah, I don't love the pink. Um, It doesn't go away. Spoiler alert. But I will say this. I don't know how true this is, and I, I could just be buying some bullshit here. But I did feel like I read somewhere that it actually weighs less than other paint. And that's why that they had the pink car. I, I I don't know how what like it. Yes, one paint is going to lit, weigh less than another yeah. paint. That is very true. Again, I'm going to pull out of my pocket something that my father did. He was a painter for a while, and he painted a Buick Regal. And this is in like the '80s, guys. Like 1985. This is a long time ago. Uh, he painted this Buick Regal to go to the Bonneville Salt Flats, which is where in the United States they do a lot of testing for like top speed, setting land speed records, things like that. And he it's a yellow car and he painted it so because another thing about paint is it has to be really, really smooth. And he he did such a good job painting this car. They actually had to go in and do a little bit of like sanding where they were going to put like the vinyl lettering and things on it because the vinyl wouldn't stick because it was too smooth. (laughs) So yes, paint can, can absolutely attribute to it. I don't know if maybe it's just the way that this pink is made and it probably can be any color, honestly, like the, what the specific pigment doesn't matter. It's just the method in creating or spraying or I don't know if they're painting these cars or if they're vinyls or what it may be. Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. But yes, yeah. paint, vinyl, stickering, all that stuff absolutely can. And that, that's the kind of like minutia that like engineers and like these race teams are looking at is like, is this vinyl sticker going to create additional drag on this car and slow us down at all? Because they're really truly operating at that level of speed. Yep. So we'll see. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Maybe we'll check it out. Uh, So then you also met Lance. What do you think about Lance? Uh, Lance Stroll, a.k.a. Lawrence's son. Uh, I definitely feel like Papa Stroll bought a... He's a billionaire. He can do what he wants. He bought a struggling team in order to give his son a seat. And it's just classic nepotism. Uh... I I will say, like, clearly Lance is not a bad driver. He has every right to have a seat. uh, But to make it a little bit easier to get this kid a seat by by the by the team. And I will say also, like, he seems more interested in surfing than anything else. And he's like pretty little face. So, like, maybe Lance Stroll should just do an endless summer and create a document like uses daddy's money to do that documentary again and just surf around the world for a year and maybe not be an F1. Yeah. He very much. I can't decide where Lance wants to actually be Uh, because I agree. He's not a bad enough driver that it's not like he doesn't deserve to be on the grid. However, I don't know if he deserves to be on the grid for as long as he has been on the grid. Is he talented enough to have been in F1? Sure. Uh, Are there other more talented drivers out there in, like, F2, F3? Probably. 
Maybe. Like at what at what point do you decide at what point does Lawrence Stroll decide, okay, I'm going to stop funding my son's F1 career because it's not really getting me anywhere. Yeah. Um, So, because it's not the spoiler alert. It's not the first time that Lawrence Stroll has done this. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we're current season. So this is kind of like the birth of Lawrence of Stroll as an, own, as an owner. Yeah. So Lawrence comes in, buys Racing Point, right? Bing, bang, boom. They have the pink Mercedes. This is the whole episode, really. Mm-hmm. That is what episode Cash is King is about. It, they have the pink Mercedes and everybody's pissed about it. Because what they did is they went back and they copied it. Which... <laughs> They didn't copy. They bought information from Mercedes. It had unlisted items that went listed, but when they bought it, it was unlisted or that was unlisted items. So they were they they legally obtained the information and used it to their advantage. Correct. It's still a little shady. However, I'm going to jump forward a few years, Okay. Because at the end end of this season, like during season three, Drive to Survive, season 2020 of F1, um, at the end of this season, Racing Point turns into Aston Martin. Yes, I did make note that that was going to, like they talked about they were going to become Aston Martin for the 2021 season. Okay. Skipping over a couple of years, like there's... A lot more that has gone on. But skipping over a couple of years, we're now in the 2023 F1 season, which is currently being filmed by Netflix. Uh, Stroll is still there doing about what he's doing now or in the season that we just watched. But Fernando Alonso is his teammate. And at the beginning of the 2023 season, they absolutely were kicking ass absolutely kicking ass because Stroll did it like Lawrence did it again. Boom, bing, bang, boom. Red Bull in a green color. The Red Bull car in a green color. So it's like, it, it happens. I mean, but that's what happens when you have a billionaire. I mean, I guess you can do that. So Yeah. It's not playing fair. No. But, but there's always that team. And this is, you You don't race. You, you didn't grow up in no. this. Yeah. That... That dynamic of somebody has the money, whether it's through sponsorship or like they're a billionaire or whatever. And it's in every single level of racing where somebody's going to come in and they're just going to be able to buy their way into the top 10. They're going to be able to buy their way into the front of the field. Very commonly, they don't have a driver in the seat who can handle it because most of the really good drivers don't want to play that game. They want to work hard. They want it to be a little bit of a meritocracy in the Mm -hmm. racing. They want to show their own skill. Yeah, they want to have the best car available, but they don't want to buy their way into that seat. So it's unique that the stroll camp racing point that becomes Aston Martin has some like and this is why they're probably a little bit more successful is because Lance isn't a bad driver. He's actually probably a very talented driver. Whether he's the best driver on the grid is obviously up for debate. I don't 
I think with Lewis Hamilton being on the grid, the answer is obviously no. But that dynamic of there's that team that comes in and just buys the best of everything and buys the information and gets moved up to the front that way happens all the time. Now I'll say this. Lawrence Stroll can buy you a decent chunk, but he can't buy you up to the top. No, he can get you the same things, but like, this is why, like, even in this, in the season that's featured during the season, like the 2020 season, racing point, is in contention for third in the constrictors cup. And like, mm-hmm. like they're not going to win the constrictors cup, but yeah. they might get third in it. Do you right. know what I mean? Like you can't buy your way. You Because the thing that like Mercedes and rebel have that racing point and the Lauren strolls of the world will never have is the data. You got to think that Mercedes and Red Bull are working off decades and decades and decades of data and they're being Mm. able to make really, really pinpointed adjustments that have huge payoffs that Lauren Stoll is just going to try to play catch up through money with. So they will always beat him out because he will always be able to go back and look at their own data and find those little pieces of information that no one else will be able to know. We shall see. (laughs) all right so we're gonna roll through a little bit uh what did you very quickly did what did you think about mclaren's papaya orange the the color of the car yep i've seen worse it's not the pepto-bismol pink i'll take the papaya orange honestly um i'll take the i'll take the papaya orange it it doesn't bother me that much okay and uh what did you think of Gunter Steiner with Haas. Uh, so we get like a whole episode around him. I definitely, after that episode, like you don't really get that much of him in this no, first episode. You just get a very but brief. I really like empath. I really like him as a human being. Like I, you know, I, I think Haas is again kind of one of those teams that is going to struggle. They're not. They have a billionaire, but they need sponsorship, which is just a nature of the beast of racing. You're always looking for more money. And he, I could feel his heartbreak in trying to make that decision of we have this really potentially great sponsor with this German company, but they want to have a German driver. But then there's also this legacy driver of Mick Schumacher, the son of Michael Schumacher, who's out on the market and he's in F1 or F2 right oh, now. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Like, And the way that he like he personally made the calls to his like existing drivers and things like that was like, I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. A lot of respect. And his name is Gunther, which is just too much fun. All right. (laughs) Oh, wait, real quick pivot back to McLaren. Uh, Very quick first impression of Zach Brown. His the oh, I should. Sorry. For those not familiar, Zach Brown is McLaren's team principal and CEO. Gunter Steiner is Haas's team principal and CEO. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Zach Brown, like he sticks in. He's the American one, right? Yeah. So like I remember him that he's an American. But like other than that, he just kind of reminded me of my dad. (laughs) I... 
I'm going to disagree with you because I dislike Zach Brown so much. I just think he's such a tool, but and yeah, I don't okay. think your dad's a tool. My dad is not a tool, but like he just kind of reminded me like the way that my dad approaches racing from like that perspective of like you just got to get shit done sometimes. Yeah. That very much how I think my dad could approach things. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, we're headed to Australia. Yeah. For race and number one. Race number no, no, Austria or is it Australia? It's Australia. That's I not very race one, it? Yeah, it was race number one or that's very early in the season. See, that's what I'm saying. Like the, like it's very confusing. So the first race that's featured in the show is the Australian yeah. Grand Prix. That's what we're gonna go with, because they y'all they may they made it so unclear. Okay. Timelines don't matter. We only care about the characters. All right. So they do this. What is happening with the first race? They do this thing called a grid walk. I I don't know if you picked up on this. I did. I actually love that because I used to walking the racetrack is a very common, like everybody, every racing team I've ever known does that. You walk the track. It used to be from my understanding, like what you saw this season, it's different. Like, because there's no crowds there or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it was really calm and the team was just walking around there. But usually the, the guys and the drivers and stuff, they're on scooters or bikes and, and they go around that way because there's too many people because you're allowed to walk around on the grid. And um, there's too many people, so you can't make it all the way through, especially like the tracks are really long. They're not allowed to do that anymore, which sucks. Uh, yeah. I, that's just like such a quintessential part of like race morning as you walk the track. I think you're allowed to walk the track, but they just don't anymore mm -hmm. because it's like too crazy. Yeah. It's too crazy. So, but, uh, someone, someone in the paddock has COVID and it was a McLaren mechanic who gave it to everybody. (laughs) I mean, but like you guys, these guys all traveled internationally. They, they, it was going it wasn't a matter of if it was a matter of when um i feel terrible that i mean but like that was life of 2020 like somebody gets it and then it's just everywhere because we just didn't have a any good information and b like any concept of how bad this was gonna get no so that was rough and uh, i believe this is also kind of when we got the first feature into lando norris a little bit. Yeah. What do you think of him? He looks like he's 16. Yeah. Baby face for sure. Um, just seems like a, kind of like a quiet, sweet kid. Uh, you know, maybe a little emotionally stunted because he's lived his entire life trying to become an F1 driver. Um, they all have. They're all but like, like that. that to be said of all of them. Uh, yeah. I didn't make a note here that like they did that press conference where they had a bunch of b- different people. I think it was like Lando and Lewis Hamilton and like so I don't know anyone's name. So sorry in advance. Um, and that's where we got the name of the episode because they were debating whether or not the race was going to happen. And ultimately, they decided no. But Lan- Lewis Arms or Lewis Armstrong, <laughs> <laughs> Louis Armstrong, uh, Lewis Hamilton was like, "Cash is king. They're going to run this race because it makes so much money." Oh yeah, oh yeah. Listen, that is one thing that they don't really ever kind of touch on, probably for obvious reasons. But like the FIA is like 
just so corrupt, man. Like the de- cash is definitely ruling like over there. FIFA corrupt or like regular sports corrupt? Well, the FIA is the one that's like over. Yeah, but like FIFA, the the football, like the soccer league. Oh, oh, I see. What super you're corrupt. So, like, they have that corrupt, or is it just normal level sports corrupts? I don't know. Maybe in between. Let's go in, in between. between. Okay. Good but, to know. Good to know. Yeah. So, also, uh, we got to meet Lando's teammate, Carlos Sainz. Mm hmm. What'd you think about him? It's hard. Like, it was it, that first episode, I was really just trying to get, like, my bearings yeah. a little bit. So, like, I. And they don't really go into anybody other than, like, Stroll, like, Lauren Stroll, right. really. So I didn't really have much of an impression of anybody yet. Just as, like, I was trying to figure out how all the pieces fit together. You want to know what I think about him? What do you think about him? He looks like Prince Eric. <laughs> <laughs> he is Prince Eric, my friend. <laughs> he looks exactly like him. And I'm going to guess that this is not a bad thing for you by the giant grin on your yeah. face. Listen, Carlos has grown on me over the over the last couple of years. Like, he's definitely grown on me. I, I like I like me some Carlos. But uh, we'll get there. Anyway. Okay. So, the press conference that you mentioned. Yes. That is, like, a normal thing that they will do. They'll sit all the drivers on, a, on the couch I mean, I guess I'm assuming that other sports do this. If I'm being completely honest with you, I don't really watch any other professional sports. So I'm guessing that there are definitely press conferences of some sort. But like, yeah, they Mm -hmm. that is gold right there. Some of the interview stuff that they they post that stuff all over TikTok and it is hysterical. Some of the things that they that comes out of their mouth is like. Okay. I'm sure that the PR person who follows them around all day, every day, loves it when they do that. Listen, I feel bad for their PR team. Like, I I, I can't even begin to tell. There was one where um, Kevin Magnuson, you'll see him later in the show, is teammates with someone called Nico Hulkenberg, which I think is actually he's he may be driving that season, but he's not featured. Mm-mm. Um, but they like got into an argument at one point or like got into a tussle on the grid right and they're walking by Nico says something to Kevin Magnuson about being like a dangerous driver or whatever and K-Mag turns around and is like suck my balls like very clearly very audibly on international television with hot mics I was like ah. <laughs> <sighs> Thanks so, for reminding me I don't want to be any of these guys' PR girl. No, I mean, but, like, they just zero filter. Just zero filter, and it's impressive to me sometimes. Like, damn, I don't have the balls to say that, so. Nope. But, uh, oh, you know what? This is why I got confused, because, yes, it was supposed to be Australia. It was supposed to be Australia, and then it got canceled. It did. That's what that's what happened. Yeah, we got canceled. Yeah. Womp womp. Yeah, and there's a lot of concern about like the smaller teams, which I kind of appreciate 
that yeah. they were taking that into effect of like these teams need these purses to be able to continue to function. Mm-hmm. They need the airtime. They need all of this money so that they can stick around so we can have a full grid. Um, yeah. So I did appreciate that that was like kind of the angle of concern, whether that was truly the angle of concern in the moment or just the way Netflix edited it. I think that probably was for those teams itself, but I don't because like the season typically starts in February Mm -hmm. and that was in that was around the time back then is when it was kicking off overseas. Like, yeah. We it, it we didn't really hit lockdown here in the U.S. until March time frame, so I think it was, I think it was a genuine concern because they didn't know, they didn't know if they were going to be able to do the season. So mm-hmm. it's fair. The smaller teams, for sure, that it's a genuine mm-hmm. concern. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that takes us into episode two. Back on track. The land of Zoom calls. The Do land Zoom of calls? Zoom calls. I I mean, we actively are talking on teams. That's how we see each other while we record this, because we live yeah. in vastly different states. So, like, it's just become second nature to us all. Yeah. It's uh, It still doesn't bother me so much anymore, but it was, like, funny to go back and see that time frame where, you know, everyone's in masks and, and has the Zoom cameras and stuff. They're struggling to stay connected correctly. Yes. And then somebody that you get a glimpse of in that scene, which, like, you'll see in later seasons, who I actually really like as a person, uh, Zach Brown was doing that Zoom call with a lot of the other team principals, like Christian Horner, and I think Gunther was on it as well. But uh, and Wolf, do what? Wolf. Yeah, total Wolf. Well, his wife, Susie Wolf, was on the call, <laughs> which I love me some Susie Wolf. She's the coolest. That's who I wanted to point out. She's Susie awesome. Wolf. Yes. Well, because not only is she like a badass lady, she's worked her way up in this awesome company she's in motorsports you don't see a ton of women in motorsports but something that she's done recently is uh they're doing the f1 academy for women they did it this this current season trying to get women more involved into f1 and um they it was pretty successful my one big regret with it was they didn't air it they filmed mm. it and posted clips, but they didn't air the races. But it's my understanding that next season they are going to be airing it. So I'm super excited about that. So super shout out to Susie Wolf, who is the coolest. So, <laughs> I mean, there's also a guy named Toto Wolf. So I'm on board with this plan already. What do you think about Toto? Like, I know you barely met him, but like first impressions. I love the rivalry between him and Christian. Like, yeah. I'm st- and like it's playful, but also a little bit serious. Like yes. they poke fun yes. at each other, but they kind of a little bit mean it. For context, Christian Horner is Red Bull's uh, team principal and CEO. Who I love him. <laughs> Toto Wolf is Mercedes' team principal and CEO. I also love him for different reasons. They're they're so different, but they're great. They're great together. Yeah, you're going to probably hate this, but this is what I, this is immediately what came to my mind was Toto is Coca-Cola. Like their branding is just about like talking about themselves, doing their own thing, focusing on themselves, where 
Christian is Pepsi, and they're always Don't. like, "We're better." No, no. I'm we're so better sorry, than man. <laughs> I get where you're going with that, but Christian Horner is not Pepsi, and neither is Red Bull. <laughs> Absolutely not. That. <laughs> I'm just saying their personalities reminded me of those specific brands. Mm -mm. (laughs) Sorry. I disagree. (laughs) Holy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Let's see. I've got some notes. Did uh, did you notice that Lando, like, wasn't allowed in initially when they were doing temperature checks? Yes. He's like, like, oh, you're too hot. And he's like, "Uh, that's just how I am. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, We got a very quick glimpse of Max Verstappen, which is Red Bull's driver. He wasn't featured. You kind of saw like a peek here and there of him. But you saw a whole lot of Christian Horner, though. We did. We did. So, uh, but I think they said Max was the youngest driver's world championship in 2019. I don't remember. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. I don't remember that for sure. I'll look it up. But I do know that Max came into F1 as a 17 year old. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. They changed the rules after that because he was so young. Like they changed this. They're not allowed to do it again. I mean, maybe I'm, this is a hot take, but I feel like you should not be able to operate heavy machinery that has the ability to consistently go over 200 miles an hour if your prefrontal cortex is not fully formed. I mean, it's crazy to me. Crazy. They do it all the time, though. I mean, Kyle Busch started when he was 18 in NASCAR. So. He was a shit person and still is. So, you know, there's that. But. We'll have an offline conversation about that one. I got a question. But uh, (laughs) anyway, okay, so Max has a teammate named Alex Albon. He was pulled up halfway through the season last year. Pierre Gasly was on Red Bull, kicked off unceremoniously, and Albon replaced him. Um, Albon looks uncomfortable as fuck, in my opinion. Like, all the time. His baseline existence is, I'm mildly uncomfortable. And... Like, in this specific episode, he definitely consistently kind of gets, like, the short end of the stick a little bit. Like, he just seems like he can't win for losing. Like, he's not in a bad position, but something seems to always fucking happen. I have this thing where I feel like it's curse of the second driver, in my opinion, because... It was the same thing with Gasly. They pulled him up there because they thought he was going to do great because he showed some promise. They didn't do what he wanted him to, so they kicked him out. Mm -hmm. Pulled Albon up. Now they can't kick him out because they're going to look like idiots if they do it twice in a row. But it's – in a later episode, we'll come to it. But similar situation with Baudas and Hamilton. Like being mm-hmm. a number two driver just sucks, especially if you're driving with somebody who's very talented and very consistent. It makes you look worse if you are not consistent. Mm-hmm. Like a minimum, you have to be consistent. And if you're not, it sucks. And that's what's happening with Albon here. And Yeah. Yeah. It's rough for him. I mean, I think it's in this race where, uh, Ham- like, I think Hamilton bumps him when he's like leading the race or like 
in number two or something like that. And like his car's DOA, like he's he's not he's going to. He's not going to finish. He's going to DNQ this race because of it. And like, that's not his fault that Hamilton. uh, So this is a big difference for me. Like I grew up Rubbins racing. Put him out of the way if that's what you need to do. But that is not the case at all in F1. Like obviously sometimes cars do touch each other, but like you're not allowed to intentionally hit another car. No, no. That's a no, no. Mm Mm-mm. So that was that. that was interesting to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, as we were walking out with the practice and stuff, uh, Danny was like, FSU, fuck shit up. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. I did not hear that. But of course, Danny would say something like that. He's the goober of the group. Yes. Uh, and then Lando was talking about how they talked to Lando about how, oh, uh, you know, he's coming back from the break and stuff and mentioned how Lando is like, I just, you know, stream and play Twitch and all this other stuff, which is something that he still does, by the way. Like, there's a group of them that that is what they do in their off time, Max included. Max and Lando are the two big streamers of the, of the bunch. And they're actually they like, gotta really have a hobby. Friends. Yeah, they got to have a hobby. Yeah. So, uh, did you also catch the tire warmers? Yeah, the like tire. the little things that they put on the car are on the yeah. tires, and then they rip them off right before they leave the garage. Yeah, yes. that's super normal. That doesn't yeah. that doesn't surprise me. So, for those of you who are not new to racing, that was I was like, what the fuck are those things? When I first saw them, I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> so, they put them on the tires to help keep the the rubber warm because the warmer the rubber, the better the grip is, which means you go faster. So, uh, especially with the harder tires, it takes longer to warm up. Say they will put the warmers on them and then they need them off right before they go out. So correct. And you'll see this a lot too. It's why like in, like in, in HRA and like drag racing, why they do a burnout is to clear off anything off of the slicks, like Mm. off the rear tires to make sure that it is as flat of a surface as possible so that you can get the maximum number of surface touching of to the track as possible you don't want a piece of gravel or anything in there so that's why they do a burnout so warm up the engine and clean off the tires i didn't know that yeah i'm something new every day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right so then they bring us into they start noticing some stuff about mercedes and hamilton's steering wheel telescoping yeah. in and out Yeah, I think that that is honestly brilliant. It's called the DAS system. I'm not even going to pretend like I know what that stands for because I don't. I just wrote it down. And it's where when he's going into a corner, he's obviously turning the wheel, but he can push and pull and Mm -hmm. it changes the angle ever so slightly on the tires to make the car be able to maintain traction through the corner better because that's very obviously where traction matters most to an F1 car because you're turning left and right. Some some of these are very like hairpin type turns. Being able to have just a smidge more grip and being able to stay in the throttle a little bit deeper into that corner can really give you a huge competitive edge. I think it's mm-hmm. fascinating. I agreed with whoever said it of like, that would freak me out as a driver to have the steering wheel move yeah. like that. But obviously this is something that Hamilton must have practiced consistently, constantly yeah. during the break. And 
during the off season. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so everybody gets pissed, which is you're going to come to find as I'm everybody sure gets pissed about everything. Knows, yeah. Everybody gets pissed <laughs> about everything. They're all real whiny. They like to complain about each other a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. So, of <laughs> course, uh, somebody protests. That means Red Bull going, pro- protests. Yeah. Red Bull protested. They're going, that means they're going to go to the FIA and say, like, hey, I think they're cheating, which is exactly what he did, um, which kind of gives you, like, a just a quick minute with Horner and you see him, like, what was it, like, FaceTiming his wife and kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who didn't catch it, that was Jerry Hallowell. Which is ginger spice. Christian ginger spice. Ginger spice. <laughs> you know, on my 2023 bingo card, I did not suspect that F1 was going to cross over with the Spice Girls in any way, shape, or form. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, uh, I was like, wait a minute. When I first saw that, I was like, no way. That's so cool. Good, good for uh, them. Yes, good for them. Good for them. So uh, ultimately, they ruled that DAS was legal and that Mercedes can use it for the rest of the season. Yes. So uh, Mercedes is clearly the favorite. uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is Red Bull and Albon and Max. So we'll we'll see. Uh, They have high hopes for Albon, which, again, we shall see how this goes out. Well, doesn't he end up like qualifying number one? Like he does well. Yeah. Or Max Verstappen. Like it's Red Bull is on the front line. Mm-hmm. He, um, I had like, they did like a flashback in 2019. Um, he, I think was going to be doing really well and then somehow got touched or turned around by Hamilton. By Hamilton. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then at the same track. Yes, exactly. It was like the year before or something like that. So um, they were telling Alban he needed to be more aggressive. But like he just it doesn't even look like the kind of guy who could be aggressive. It's it's Taryn telling Violet to be aggressive in fourth wing. Yeah. Yeah. He's just not there yet. Uh, I will say, though, it was interesting to me during qualifying that they qualify with more than one car on the track. That to me was very, very new because that's not what I'm used to in qualifying. So quick kind of breakdown of how the weekend goes. Fridays are practice. Saturdays is qualifying and Sunday is race day. Um, And it varies a little bit when there's a sprint race, but I don't think they covered that this season. So we'll wait and talk about that later. Um, But yeah, so Saturday is qualifying and they do it in three, three sections and they don't really lay this out in the, in the episode. So the first qualifying goes out and it's everyone it's all 20 drivers then they drop the bottom five so then it's only the top 15 drivers then they drop those and then it's only in the top 10 and that's how the grid order gets set so um they don't really explain where everybody winds up but yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of how qualifying breaks down. So, yes, everybody is on the lap, and they'll do what they call, like, outlaps, um, which means they're just going out to warm up the tires, and then they'll do what they call a flying lap. And I, you'll hear that referenced a couple times throughout the season. Flying lap means they are pushing. They are pushing and pushing and pushing, trying to get the fastest time, and that's how the qualifying is set. Yeah, which is very t- standard. Lap time is what qualifies you. Right. So um, 
there was like some controversy. There was a yellow flag out. Uh, Hamilton was in the middle of his flying lap. The yellow flag was out and he didn't slow down. Yep. So you're not supposed to do that. And he did it anyway. So, of course, Christian Hornick is running to the FIA and uh, gets a, a penalty. Yeah. So a, a three pays three place grid penalty. Yeah, I mean, very fair, especially in motorsports. Things like a yellow flag is really, really important. There could be, you know, dangerous debris on the track. There could be, you know, in this case, it was a car that was in the gravel and it was stopped. So, like, at that point, the driver is usually getting out of it because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you just don't know. And, like, this person in front of you lost control in this corner. You could potentially do the same thing and then cause an even bigger problem. So, like, it's really important for drivers to be respectful of what the officials are calling. Like, if you're if they're calling a yellow flag, it's it's for a reason. And you need to yeah. be respectful of that. And it's like it's a bummer that's the sun you're flying lap, but like be respectful. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it was definitely something he shouldn't have done. I didn't I didn't think it was cool of of Hamilton, but they kinda do that when they're in that like it's not I an don't excuse, think it, but they're like, Oh, I just I'm gonna do what I want type type deal. I think and I, I wrote this on another episode, but it's like I a little bit feel like this Netflix show is like a little bit of a Lewis Hamilton hate account because they mm-hmm. showcase him making decisions like that, making mistakes or being kind of a jerk a lot. And it's probably because he's incredibly popular and he's running. He's like the top. He's breaking all of these records. He's doing all of these things. So like, we're going to tear him down a notch. Like we're going to show, show the bad side of Lewis Hamilton. And I'm like, or, or he's just doing the same thing. Like I'm going to be really hyperbolic right now, but like every, there's not a race car driver I've ever met in my entire life who doesn't have the biggest arrogance streak in the entire world. He's being an mm-hmm. arrogant prick, but that's part of what makes him a good race car driver because that arrogance gets him to push beyond the limits of a normal human body, beyond the limits of what a vehicle is normally capable of doing. He's doing his normal arrogant prick thing, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other car drivers out there who probably would have made very similar decisions as he did in that moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Like, at the moment, yeah, I would agree it kind of comes off that way. But it's um, it'll eventually turn into a Max Verstappen hate account. Like, it just they all whoever ends up kind of being the top dog, like you get put on a pole and you get crucified for things that like everybody else is doing. and would probably make the same decision. But you just you're under a magnifying glass at that point. So, Mm -hmm. It happens. But if I'm not yeah. mistaken, Lando wins uh, that race. Yes. But he wins because Hamilton hit Albon and yep. Hamilton got a five second penalty for hitting the other car. So even though he crossed the finish line first because he had that five second penalty or he didn't cross the finish line first. So that means Lando won, which hurt my brain to figure out. I'm not going to lie to you. That's not something I'm used to at all. So I was like, what? (laughs) It would make a lot more sense if you could like actually watch the race and kind of see what, what had happened and how it had played out. It would make a lot more sense, but the way it's like just kind of thrown in there, it's, it's a little bit confusing, but yeah. So 
So Lando won. Good Yay, job, Lando. Lando. <laughs> Starting the season out on a high note on on the podium. Also, yeah. they have it, podium is not just first; it's first, second, and third. They put all three people up there. Oh yeah, yeah, they do. They do the. They play the national anthem for P1 and then for the constructor. They'll bring the constructor out there. So technically there's four people getting trophies up there. So yeah, yeah so he's celebrating. And constrict- constructor is the team, just for anybody who's confused. Yes, I, sorry. That is not oh. a word I would have con- connected without the internet. <laughs> also, I should probably clarify, there's actually two championships kind of being mm-hmm. fought for right now. There is... The drivers, they are all making points throughout the season. And then someone like there's a, the world champion is the driver with the most points. Obviously there's also what they call a constructor's cup. And that is each of the, the 10 teams. So they're doing it at order. And then you win money, like based on where you place in the constructor's cup. Um, the point system is complicated. I'm not going to go into it, but just they earn points. Drivers and teams earn points. (laughs) Good for them. Yeah. Yay points. Uh, I did notice just because I'm a Red Bull fan and like Red Bull dominates the next several years. So I did notice that Max was bummed that Lando won and Christian was like, I I put in quotes, it'll come. It'll come. You did nothing wrong today, which is true. Yeah. Because it does come because now everybody hates Max. So. Yeah, because his Max's engine blew like right at the beginning of the race, so he had to D and Q, which is mm. which does suck. I'm sure it would suck like as a as a racer, but yeah, you never want that, and like the team doesn't want that. The team doesn't go out there to blow the engine. No, they want to minimum finish the race. Ideally, they want to win. You never want a DNF. You never want a DNF. DNF did not finish. D and Q did not qualify. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. (laughs) All right. Now we're on to episode three. Nobody's Yeah. We Mm -hmm. open up with Bottas, Valtteri Bottas, laughing at Lewis Hamilton saying, these are the two Mercedes drivers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. They seem to have, like, good friendly tension between each other. I bet it's difficult on these teams that there's probably going to be a number one driver and then there's going to be a number two driver and it's going to be real clear who's number one and who's number two. So I'm sure that doesn't always breed happy, fun times between the drivers. But I will say it's also, it is and it isn't normal for a number one driver and a number two driver. Don't get me wrong. There's always like two drivers, but some teams structure their team that way there is a number mm-hmm. one driver and there is a number two driver and then there are teams that don't structure their team like us correct um red bull is one that very much develops the team around a driver and then they need a second driver who can keep up and score points <laughs> um mercedes is kind of like that. They, I don't think it was an intentional thing at Mercedes. Hamilton's just been there a really long ass time and Mm -hmm. Hamilton's good and he kept winning and it just kind of ended up being tweaked to his liking. You know, I don't think it was an intentional, like Lewis is the number one driver. I think it is now at this point, but I don't think it was like a, 
Yeah, and I liked that this episode followed Valtteri more so than Hamilton, honestly. Yeah. I I really liked Valtteri. Valtteri I thought he was an yeah. entry. Valtteri. Yeah. I, I think he was cool. Interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Very very calm. Yeah. I he's Finnish, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And um Mark called him he's like that's a very Finnish type personality. Even he says that during the episode. He's like, I'm Finnish. Uh, This is just how Finnish people are. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny, too, because, you know, 2023 Valtteri Bottas is like has now emigrated to Australia. His wife's Australian and Mm. has fully embraced the weird man. Like, (laughs) is he like character? He has grown a mullet. There are pictures no. of him. Yes. A mullet. There are pictures of him like naked, but you see his ass and he's like, it's it's just great. He's he's become a big character and I love it. Like yeah. You wouldn't his wife get that brought he out the good things cool. in him. What? His wife brought the good things out in him. Yeah, I would agree. You wouldn't have thought that he was that cool based off of what you saw in that episode. But yeah, the, basically the entire episode was a back and forth about how much it sucks being Lewis Hamilton's number two. Yeah, I know. They go back to like, they do this like flashback to 2018 season where the team made this call for Valtteri or say his name again. Valtteri. Valtteri to allow allow Hamilton to pass for like some kind of points shit. And it was kind of fucked up, honestly. Kind of fucked up. I don't disagree. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. And they he obviously was kind of upset about it. He's like, I don't think I ever want to do that again. They get real pissed about that. About having to let other teammates pass or when yeah. the driver doesn't listen or oh, d- both. Both. <laughs> both. Both. Yeah. Also, um, uh, when they say they get a toe, that's just drafting. I'm, why do we have to have a, why do we have to have a different word for it? It's yeah, drafting. I, I think it's just referred different ways. Cause I've also heard them say it in race day is like a, a draft. So I just, that's all it is. It's drafting. The fact that he was letting him do that with another team, like he was like another team do it, is like, come on, man, come on. I understand why he did because he's like the. So they were in Sochi, Russia, and this this is not Hamilton's favorite track, but there's all of this story around. This is Hamilton's opportunity to tie Michael Schumacher for the number of grand prix one and valtteri like bonus doesn't care he's like i want to win this friggin' race like this is my favorite track like, i love this track i know where i want to start I even want to be on the pole or number three because he wants to be on the inside line or the outside line whatever it is i don't know but like he wants to be in that position because better track position long term and he does what he has to do to get where he wants to be i can't I can't be mad at him. I can't either. Especially when somebody was asking Toto on Saturday on Quali Day, they're like, do you think Valtteri can still be world champion? And he said, and I quote, 
I think Valtteri, in his mind, has no doubt that he can be. Having Lewis as your teammate is a hard thing. He could beat Michael Schumacher's 90 race win record. Doesn't get any worse, I guess. End quote. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you, you know that that day, the entire Mercedes team is 100% behind Hamilton. They are not rooting for you because they yeah. want to beat the Schumacher record. Yeah. They want to be well, the team that beats the Schumacher record. Yeah. I mean, they're going to. We all know they're going to. It's yeah. just, it's like, Valtteri wants to hold it off as long as he can. So, yeah. Of uh, course he does, because he wants to be better. Yeah. Bottas was like, fuck it. He's like, I'm going to do seriously. whatever I want. Um, did you see that conversation between Lewis Hamilton and the, the blonde woman, like, that they had in the car? Yeah. She was, like, his, his, like, personal trainer type thing. His, yeah, his driving so coach. Yeah. They've actually been, like, working together for, like, a very long time. And this past season... He they parted ways after like eleven years. Wow. Yeah. I wonder. But like I bring that up to like point out the fact that like they had a very close relationship. Like you could tell based off that conversation that they were like friends. Like he bounced things off of her. So it was like a really mm-hmm. weird mid season departure. Ooh, mid season two. Yeah, that's very odd. That's like if a that's like if a crew chief were to leave a right? team. Like, because, or like, if a in a a coach for like an NFL team was to leave, like mid season, or like a star player got traded, like it's it just creates this weird dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yep. So interesting, interesting. But then uh, mm-hmm. Sunday race day, the seventh <laughs> Russian Grand Prix, big crash. Oh, before we go to that, can we just talk about like, so when they're going out to like go to the start line, they get to do like a practice start or no, this is for qualifying. They get to do the practice start. And then Lewis Hamilton does his practice start in the wrong spot. And so he has to take this 10 second penalty and he's like super pissed off. He's like, I always do it from that spot. And it's like, dude, like, yeah, dude, it's to me, it's like. It's got to be like a I'm the best type thing and I can do what I want mentality. Like mm-hmm. that's all I can think of because I don't buy that either. It's like I don't know if you actually do that. But then again, I have also seen it where like the top drivers will do stuff and get not penalized for it. And then the like lower tier guys will do stuff and they'll get penalized for it. And it's like, well, what the fuck, man? It's like just a way to, I feel like sometimes the FIA uses shit to like make things interesting. Oh, not fair. Yes. A hundred percent. I feel like any governing entity of any sport ever is going to intentionally make decisions to keep the sport interesting and keep the spectators watching, whether it's in person or on TV. Yeah. But um, I did like that quote that you wrote down. Oh, so I think Bodas said this and he's like a nice moment when he won the race because P.S. He, he wins this race. Uh, yeah. He's like a nice moment to thank my critics to whom it may concern. Fuck you. And he says this like in the car, like he's like doing his victory lap and right. he's in the car and he says this to his team, which I just loved. Listen, the radio 
comments that come out are golden. I love that. I love that. So golden. Uh, Like side note here, John was watching some of these episodes with me and his one commentary on this entire show was those radios must be really good because they're speaking at like lower than normal volume and it's coming through completely clear and these cars are going really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a nerd. I was like, of all of the things to talk about, you're going to talk about how clear their radios are? Well, to be fair, I've actually kind of had a similar thought myself because sometimes it's clear and you can hear them crystal clear. Uh, Other times they're not. Uh, I don't know if we'll be allowed to play them, but if I can, I'll send you some of my favorite radio clips because they're hysterical. (laughs) It's just a need to do it. I am stupid. These are, listen, these are, like, I'm trying to imitate the accents and it's not working. <laughs> oh, okay. Episode four. Yeah. We need to talk about Ferrari. 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 This is the only team I would have ever been able to pick out of a lineup uh, Ferrari. pre-watching Ferrari's this show. Ferrari things. God. Okay, so this season in Ferrari, we have Sebastian Vettel, who is yes. the shit. And Charles Another driver. Yeah, Charles, Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc, which is Mark's favorite driver right now. Ah. Also, Mark is a big Ferrari fan. Mm-hmm. I am not. <laughs> I, so, <laughs> Ferrari's a team that clearly was, like, on top for a really long time and has just not... They got arrogant and they got lazy and they're just not hit. They can't hit their ass with both hands anymore. The team is just, the cars suck. The team's kind of sucking. I don't have a lot of faith in that team principal. I don't remember his name, but he has really poofy hair. Uh, Matteo Bonotto. Yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in him. And they're just kind of writing on the fact that, that they are like F1's most recognizable team because they've always had that Ferrari red. They did have the best driver of all time in Michael Schumacher. He ran for Ferrari for forever. So, so, okay. Because I'm with you. I'm like, ugh, over it. Like, Ferrari's been around forever. You're not that great. I don't understand why everybody gives them such deference. They're not that great. But they really do. They actually have quite a lot of influence and power within F1 itself. Yeah, they're the oldest standing team in F1. They've been there since essentially the beginning. Correct. So they actually get, like, if I'm not mistaken, they have some kind of veto power when it comes to, like, new rules and stuff. I'll have to, like, dig more into it before the next one. But, yeah, like, they've got some power. But I think this also comes into play later because Ferrari isn't doing that great this se- this 2020 season. They don't do great. Uh, and, spoiler alert, they don't do great for the next few years, which is frustrating because sometimes they have the car, sometimes they have the driver, but it never seems to be both. Mm-hmm. Or they've got shit luck, which it, it's just I like to call it Ferrari doing Ferrari things, because when they did have the car and then when they did have the driver, then the strategy strategy was in the in the shit and they just mm-hmm. didn't do well. It's like you guys can't you can't get out of your own way. They can't get all the pieces put together to be successful. No. So but uh Yes, Michael Schumacher 
is probably their most recognizable driver, mm-hmm. at least in layman's. Yeah, I think Michael Schumacher is very much the face of F1 for a lot of people, even though he's not a driver anymore. Right. Um, but he was incredibly successful. Yes. So uh, we're kind of focusing on Monza. This yeah, episode. because that's the Italian Grand Prix. It's, Italian it's Grand Ferrari's Prix. home track. Yes. They have this big, it's going to be their 1000th Grand Prix. So they're throwing this big ass party. I think it was in Florence or Florence. Yeah, I want to say yeah, it was Florence. It was Florence. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that that's where Ferrari is based out of. I'm not entirely sure. Right. Italy? I don't know. Somewhere I don't know enough about Ferrari. Yeah. But kind of all around that time frame. Um, Sebastian Vettel, who, by the way, is like a four-time world champion. He's yeah. a great driver, legend in the sport. Um, they kind of dump his ass, and he's not yeah. happy about it. And it is apparent that he yeah. is unhappy about them not renewing his contract. And what a way to make a, not a very healthy working environment. Be like, hey, you know, we like you, but like not enough to keep you after this year. Okay, thanks. Bye. It was I, I think it was the way they handled it, because like Seb. It, granted, I only know Seb at the end of his career. So I could be talking like talking about a totally different Sebastian Vettel right now, but he seems a lot more reasonable to me than the way he was treated there. Um, but I'm with you. Matteo Bonotto is an idiot in my opinion and gets what he deserves eventually. So oh, do, do they sh- cut off the poofy hair? No, they don't cut off the Dang poofy it. hair, but they give him the axe last well. uh, Last, this past season, they so twenty twenty four. I don't remember. He got cut. Let's just put it that way. He start. He's going to be the new uh, team principal for a different team. Mm. I think Audi because they're coming onto the grid. Mm. But that's we're years into the future. We're years away time. from that conversation. Yeah. So uh, Vettel puts it out the same day that they're doing this thousandth Grand Prix celebration that he is going to Aston Martin. AKA Racing Point. Woohoo. So Which, I mean he he got picked up for another place, so not surprising. Vettel is a great driver, so uh, I did think it was funny that Vettel gave absolutely zero fucks after that. Like, Mm -hmm. none at all. Especially when they were asking Charles, like, oh, why don't you have your clothing line yet? And Vettel jumps in and is like, because you're not allowed to. That's why. Because he's sponsored by Puma. Yeah. (laughs) And the the look on Charles' face when he did that, he's just like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. What do I say? So... Oh, God. Uh, oh, it was Venice, not Florence. Sorry to the internet people who would have known the difference. Uh, I put bad. it in my notes. Go me. Are you, aren't you proud of me? Uh, also, that party was bananas. It had like the weirdest dancing and nonsense. Yeah. I'm like, who thinks this is fun? This is just weird. It was an interesting celebration for sure. Uh, choices were made. Not good ones, but choices. Choices for sure. And then both cars DNF'd the Italian Grand Prix. Yeah, that was... But, like, this is Ferrari. This is typical Ferrari here. Like, doing shit like that. Yeah. 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 And then... Yeah. 
I might be a little bitter because I got absolutely fucked over in the last race. So on your situation. on your fantasy team, huh? On your fantasy team, yeah. <laughs> Can we also, like, they did this flashback. They love to do uh, flashbacks in this show, yeah. which I kind of appreciate because it gives you, like, important context. But they flash back to 2019, and Ferrari was actually doing well. They had a fast car. But then Red Bull and Mercedes both protested something about the car. And apparently it was naughty because Ferrari got told they had to stop doing what like or undo whatever they had done and then they immediately started sucking yeah and but then on top of all of that it was a what they call it a secret settlement they didn't have to tell anybody what it was or what they had to do yeah so like obviously so I'm I'm gonna guess that Red Bull and Mercedes sniffed out what it was so those two teams knew but they didn't have to put it out there. So no one really knows what sneaky, sneaky things that they were doing. But can we also say that it was at the Austin Grand Prix, which PS is close to where I live. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Austin Grand Prix. And my final note for that episode was Seb is a petty bastard. Love me some Seb, man. Love Sebastian Battle. Actually, uh, for context, you would probably also really like him. He is a big environmental activist. So, um, yeah, he's actually retired now and has started working on, on that. But, yes, he's gotten Interesting. pretty hard into it. So, I mean, we're going to finally get episode five. We finally get to talk about your favorite guy. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> episode five, the end of the affair. Yeah. So uh, it opens up with Daniel Ricardo talking about how he's leaving McLaren. He's not going to be part Renault, of the Renault to go to oh, McLaren. There we go. Reaving Renault. Yeah. Renault to go to to go to McLaren. Yeah. Uh, Renault has not been doing well for a hot minute either. So like I kind of understand why Danny Ricardo would want to leave. Like if you can't put a good car under me, why am I staying? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, well, because this was, to put it into context, this was the Austrian GP when this Mm -hmm. was announced, which was the beginning of the season. So he had literally only had one season, hadn't even started the second one, and was like, deuces, I'm out, I'm going to McLaren. Mm -hmm. So, which may or may not have been a good move. I yeah. In retrospect, in 2023, looking back, Danny would be like, maybe that wasn't a good choice. But Oh, does McLaren fall off and does Renault get better? You're no. not going to tell me. We'll go. We'll go over it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, but this is when they bring up the the protest. So four teams come together to protest racing points, Mercedes nonsense. So it's McLaren, Renault, Williams and Ferrari all team right. up to go against Racing Point. And then that's when we find out that they had bought this information from Mercedes. Certain parts were unlisted. The following season, they were listed. So they, they shouldn't have known about these parts, but they happened to. So, like, they get a little bit of a, like, slap on the wrist of, like, hey, don't do that again. And then yeah, the, they never, like finalized with the because those four teams again appeal the decision um thinking that like 
the punishment wasn't harsh enough, but they never follow through with like the end of that storyline. So I have no idea. I, I'm guessing like nothing happened and that's why they didn't say anything. Happened. I think that may have just been it. And then we moved on, but Cyril looks stressed. Cyril was the team pr- or is the, was the team principal of Renault at the time. Yeah. He looks stressed. That poor man looks like time. he wanted to cry. <laughs> All the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And but I will say that, like, regardless of Danny kind of jumping ship from Bruno to go to McLaren, he did seem like he was committed to still racing well for Renault. Yeah. Through the rest of his contract. Like, it seemed like he was trying to leave uh, the bridge unburnt. Agreed. Agreed. I Because th- I think Danny is a good guy and he just felt like this isn't the right spot for me and it just wasn't good. So he just pulled the cord. But, yeah. Um, so they, yeah, like they had that whole spot where he was like walking through the field and he was talking about how like he really agonized over the decision before mm-hmm. he, he chose to move, move over to McLaren. Yeah. And I'm glad that Cyril finally pulled his head out of his ass and just like started focusing on the rest of the season with Danny instead of being like angry about it. Because like you said, it was clear that Danny was trying to like push forward and do the best he could while he was still there. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But the comment where he said, I have full confidence he will regret his decision. I wrote my notes. It says, Lordy, you have no idea. <laughs> so, uh, paying attention moving forward to Danny Ricardo and his time at McLaren. Yeah. So, which brings us to episode six. A lot of these, like towards the end, we've actually kind of already know what happened based off of some of the earlier episodes, but we're just yeah. like looking at the same viewpoint from a different or the same story from a different viewpoint so correct so because right. we're, we're back to monza at this point with uh pierre gasly 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 okay i i kind of like pierre i'm not gonna lie to you i feel like he kind of got like the pierre? short end of this or do you like the way pierre looks <laughs> no no honestly no honestly no uh I, I enjoyed pierre's story because he gets brought up into Red Bull and then he gets demoted down to Alpha Tori, which is kind of their feeder team for lack of better words. And then he just kicks ass with Alpha Tori. Like he's just killing it. Yeah. For, for considering it's a midfield team. It's not yes. meant to be at the front of the pack. It's meant to be a midfield team. And it's he's doing well with the yes. midfield team. He's aggressive. And then you get to kind of see Toto be like we're not changing our decision about Albon. We're not changing it, you but mean, I, I can see. You mean Christian Horner? Yeah, I mean Christian Horner. Excuse yeah. me. Yes, I can. So we're not changing our decision about mm-hmm. Albon, but I, people are noticing how well he's doing. I think Christian really regretted his decision <laughs> about yanking Gasly and putting Albon in. Um, I think actually in later years he does come out and kind of confirm that he regretted the decision that he yanked Gasly. Well that really he yanked both of them too out too quickly. Like yeah. They shouldn't they brought him up too early and then when they did they yanked them out too quickly. Yeah. Because you really didn't give them the opportunity to do anything, which is why I think Gasly did well. Technically he went to Toro Rosso first. 
and then that that went to AlphaTauri. Sure. I'm going to take your word on that. I did not pick up any of that. All I know is he was driving for AlphaTauri. Because technically they, he went to a different season, but like all they showed in the, in the show was AlphaTauri. Yeah. So it's dumb. Like it's complicated. The car isn't good, but he's trying, he's really pushing. Yes. Yes. So, um, this is also something that they did not really go into a lot in the episode was at the beginning of the race at spa there was like a scene where pierre goes out and like goes onto the racetrack and like lays some flowers down because there was an accident the previous year and it was his best friend and he died it was his best friend who died which they don't show it in the show you can look up i don't need to see it it was in 2019 i like it I wouldn't. You don't see anything like gory by any means. I don't. That you stuff abs- freaks me out. Yeah, because like I've seen it happen see. right in front of me at racetracks before, yeah. and it freaks me out because it's just, it's, it's scary. scary. It really is because I. Quick description: You see a car go directly into another car, and it's not yeah. that clearly they didn't survive, obviously. But it's Mm -hmm. sad and like it was kind of it was I saw an angle of 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 it where like they were actually interviewing Lewis Hamilton because it was an F2 race. It wasn't an F1 race. They were interviewing Mm. Lewis Hamilton and in the background you can see the you couldn't see the accident but you kind of saw the aftermath. You saw Lewis's face. You heard the crowd. So it was really sad but like um, that race just happened recently and he went out there again and laid some more flowers so i felt bad because like that had to have been a shitty year not only did his friend die but he also got kicked out of red bull so yeah talk about not the best year of his life Mm -mm. and what is like and that's the thing that people seem to forget about like motorsports is the love, the danger level is very, very different than like even a full contact sport, like something like football or basketball. It's it's or like even like boxing or MMA fighting, like the level of danger that exists in motorsports is astronomical. I can't tell you how many times I've been at at races, especially with drag racing and watched cars literally blow up and be completely engulfed in flames right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And then it's, I cannot accurately describe the level of silence that occurs as you wait for the driver to get out. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't get out, they're, they're likely unconscious and dead. Yeah. Or like unconscious and or dead. So, it, it's insane, but like also like how quickly the safety vehicles can get there is also incredible. And I, the number one priority for a lot of these, like, yeah, we can talk about FIA or NHRA or any of these like motorsports associations, but they really do put a lot of effort into the safety vehicles and the safety teams to be able to respond really, really quickly because it's matters of seconds between life and death in a lot of these situations. Oh yeah. And we'll see that later in the season, but it'll Mm -hmm. also come up again in, in other seasons, the safety stuff. The nature of the beast is that it is going to happen. 
It's not yeah. about if, it's about when. But um, that race, he ends up actually, like, getting driver of the day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he got driver of the day. He had, like, yeah. I, what is driver of the day, though? So... When the race is live, Sky Sports will put out a poll and it's for fans to go in and drive. And a lot of the times it's the person who wins the race, which lately has been Max Verstappen, which is kind of been boring. <laughs> but, uh, you know, other times you'll have great races like this was a great race that I would have loved to have seen in person. Like mm-hmm. I thought he drove really, really well. But some, this is the thing about too is about seeing races like when you're at home, you, you only see, see the a whole small, thing. Yeah, you yeah. only see a little portion of it because it's exactly. unlike NASCAR, it's this huge track and they don't have grandstands over every inch of it. So right. you can only see the part. Like, I think the grandstands for F1 are usually like at the start finish line, if I'm correct. They I don't know if they. Throughout. It depends on the track. I've seen them like at straightaways and different corners and stuff, but it's not like solidly throughout the entire track by any means. So. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good race to watch. Um, but, yeah, somebody did ask Corner about Pierre going back to Red Bull, and he was like, I don't see it happening. But I think yeah. it just comes back to show that, like, yeah, he was wrong. <laughs> yeah, and then they go over to Monza, and they briefly mention that it's the Williams family final race. I hope you can provide more context, because... That is literally the only conversation about the Williams family that we ever get, other than they participated in that protest against Racing Point. The team announced in a press release on Thursday that this weekend's Italian Grand Prix at Bonza will will mark the final race for the Williams family in Formula One after 43 years, 739 Grand Prix. And included in the changes is that Williams Racing Deputy Team Principal Claire Williams is stepping down from her role with the team following the F1 Italian Grand Prix this weekend. So with heavy heart, I'm stepping away from my role with the tween. I can't talk tween team. Claire Williams said, "I had hoped to continue my ten- tenure long into the future and to preserve the Williams family legacy into the next generation." However, our need to find inward investment earlier this year due to a number of factors, many of which were outside of our control, resulted in the sale of the team to Doralton Capital. My family has always put our racing team and our people first, and this was absolutely the right decision. I know in them we have found the right people to take Williams back to the front of the grid while also preserving the Williams legacy. So my guess would be that COVID hit them pretty hard and they needed money. And that was part of the deal. Yeah. So is Williams like not on the grid anymore or are they just rebranded under another name? No, they're actually still on the grid. They're, I don't want to call them a feeder team, but they kind of, they kind of touched on this at some point in the season about how they're, they call them like racing or schools, racing schools for, for whatever. And um, so Williams kind of falls under Mercedes ah. and like, uh, I think it was Afatari kind of falls under Red Bull kind of thing. There's so, kind same of kind like of thing. A, it's like groups within the grid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're intentionally kind of a mid-grid team to mm-hmm. kind of get people's feet wet in the F1. Yes. Version of things. Yes. So, yeah, they did kind of just touch on it, but they skimmed right by it. There's actually a few things that happen in 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 drive to survive 
or in F in the F one world that don't get addressed in Drive to Survive. Um, um, there's so. only so much, and it looks like not all of the teams allowed Netflix to follow them because at the beginning of like every episode, they always show like the drivers and the teams arriving at the track and you can see which teams are open to Netflix being there and which ones are a little bit, not super into them being around. I'm not sure. Cause I think it changes every season. Mm-hmm. But I think also it has to do with the drivers. Some of them are more willing to deal with it and some of them are. Mm-hmm. So, like, Seb is a great example. I don't rem- I don't really remember the next couple of seasons, but Sebastian Vettel retired in 2022. And the 2022 season was released of Drive to Survive earlier this year was released on Netflix. And they really, I don't even think they mentioned Seb retiring. Like it was just so passed over and everybody was really upset about it. But kind of like to me thinking about it, I was like, well, he doesn't really enjoy the spotlight like that. He doesn't want to be the front and center. So I don't know if it's the teams necessarily, but like you could definitely tell they're like, hey, we have Netflix with us. Like they sat down like <laughs> – be on your best behavior, boys. Yeah, That's what that especially meant. like the Ferrari one is like, we have Netflix with us. Don't yeah. say stupid shit right now. Yeah, it was great. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the teams or if it's the drivers. My guess it would be the drivers. It really, really Yeah, I think the thing Netflix is most interested in are the drivers and then like the team principals and then a splash of the owners when they're interesting, like Lauren yeah. Stroll. Yeah. Because like rebels, a great example. Max did really well that season. Didn't hear anything about him. Christian no. was all over the fucking place. And Albon is not a great driver, and you saw him a little bit, but you saw Christian Horner more than any of the Red Bull drivers. So I think it's more about personality, if I'm being really yeah. honest with you, and editing. Yeah, and who who jumps off the film, you know? Yeah. But we get to talk about Alex Albon a little bit for this episode. Yeah. Because she... Pierre really wants to earn his seat back. He thinks it's the option. I don't think that that's really an option. I don't think Red Bull's ever going to pick them back up. I think they made the decision and they're going to stick with it, whether it was a good decision or not. But right at the beginning of the race, somebody like the beginning of these races are crazy because you have these 20 cars all stacked on top of each other. And so they go into these tiny little tight turns and they're all on top of each other. And Alpon gets bumped and kind of shuffled to the back of the pack. Which happened? That's not Albon's fault. Those mm-hmm. that is the nature of the beginning of a race. That shit's gonna happen. It could happen to yeah. the best of us. I think uh, he ended up at P fifteen though. Yeah, he went pretty far back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I wrote this this uh, this note here because again, I very much feel like this season was a Lewis Hamilton hate account. It was does Hamilton just do whatever he wants after the Ferrari race? Pit lane was closed, but Hamilton still went into the pits. Yeah, I think he's just doing what he wants. Just wants to do what he wants to do. Just doing what uh, he wants. 
But this race is a great showcase of like how pit strategy can matter, though, because yep. the race gets red flagged for the act, the Ferrari accident, which was Charles LeBlanc, if I remember correctly. Leclerc. Yeah, Leclerc. I was close. Uh, he his he hit a wall. He was fine. Mm-hmm. But they had to red flag to be able to get the car off the track. And because Pierre had pit earlier, he was in third. Yeah. Which is great. Which is great. Uh, and then he ends up winning the race, which I was so excited for him Yay. to win. Yeah. I was like, I was fully bought into the storyline of this episode of this comeback kid of him like doing really well and being really aggressive. Yeah. So... I like and then, I was excited for him. I thought he drove really, really well. <laughs> drove great. Really smart decisions. Just good. This like this is what can happen when a mid-tier team gets everything right one day. You yep. win the goddamn race. Uh, and then Albon finished 15th or P15 as they say womp, womp. in in uh in F1. And, but then we get to talk about Gunther. Gunther, 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 and they. Right. What a name of this episode, Gunther's Choice. Like Gunther's Jesus choice. Christ, yeah. Like, Sophie's oh. Choice, really. That's what you're gonna reference here, Netflix, <laughs> to the German guy. I don't think that they really put that much thought into it. If I'm being honest, <laughs> to the German guy, you're gonna reference Sophie's Choice to the German team principal. Well, anyways, this is dive into episode one. So Haas is struggling. Gunther Gunther Steiner is Haas's team principal. Mm-hmm. Um, his boss is Gene Haas. He Haas mm-hmm. is an American team, by the way. Just in, in case any, like the only American team, uh, and they're not doing great financially. It's not a top team. They don't have a ton of money coming in. So they're looking for sponsorship. Um, Gene was kind of called Gunther and was like, I'm not putting any more money in this team because he wasn't happy. He's not happy because the cars aren't performing. They're not having a good season. And both the drivers, one of them has been with the creation, like from literally day one. And the other one came in a year after the creation of the Haas team. Do you remember which? The one who eventually gets in the accident is okay, the one who was, was there from day one. So Grosjean yeah. was the one from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Kevin Magnuson is the other driver. The, and, yes. and Gunther said, said that this is like a family. Everybody's very close. I think mm-hmm. someone from another team made a joke about how like, Nobody ever you goes go in, in and you know. nobody ever comes out. It's the Willy Wonka factory. So Yeah, it's but like I feel like he runs a good team. Like I I really like Gunther a lot. I think he was Yeah. So Yeah. So before we get into the like not fun part, did I, I don't know if this is true or not, but they asked Kevin Magnuson and, and Groshan what they listened to before the race. And K Mag <laughs> said something about like rock T-Swift? or no that so the one guy said something about some kind of like rock genre and Groshan said Taylor Swift. I don't know if that's Taylor true, Swift. but if it is, it's fucking awesome. Well he I I do like I liked Groshan a lot. Uh, he seemed 
just like a nice, nice guy. Yeah. And it's so funny. And like, I liked the dynamic between the two drivers. You could tell this was one of those teams where there isn't a number one, number two driver. Like, yeah, they were both drivers are number one. Like, but we're going to put the same amount of effort into both drivers. And it just seemed like it was like a not toxic workplace. And I'm like, I love that for you guys. Yeah. And they were so they were at Silverstone. They didn't have a great race. They came at touched wheels with someone I can't remember. Ended up in the gravel. Yeah. Uh, Rose John had a terrible pit stop. It was a yeah. one, it was not a great strategy call. And two, he did fucked up. At, like didn't put it in the right gear or whatever and just sat there. Yeah. He had it in like neutral. Yes. It, it was a long time for a race. Yeah, considering these like considering pit stops are usually like two seconds and yes. he was there for like seven. That's a long a time. It was a long time. Uh, so he ended up like dropping like a tank. Just it was bad. It wasn't good. So that's bad when Gene gets or that's when Gunther gets the call from Gene saying like get I'm a sponsor. Done. Yeah. Get a sponsor. So he he does. He hooks up with some German company, but a yep. German company wants a German driver. Which I feel like probably happens a lot with sponsorships. They want to see their country represented. I think you can expect that up to a certain point. Yeah. But it's not going to be, it's not going to be like, oh, you have, because Haas, perfect example. It's an American company. You would think they want an American driver, but there aren't any American drivers. So, you know what I mean? It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes it does, but I... I think that, like, the longer the sponsorship would theoretically continue. Yeah. I think Gunther got put between a rock and a hard place where he doesn't want, he didn't want to part ways with either driver. But. Yep. The the sponsorship wasn't going to sign on. And this was his best option for millions and millions of dollars of funding. And and because these, these cars cost millions of dollars to build and to race and they get used they 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 get messed up yep you have to have more than one in the dot like in the paddock like it's yeah uh so at that like around that same time frame is the eiffel gp in germany uh which Hamilton ends up winning. He wins that record, the the 91st victory. So Good for him. He's got it. But that race we see, we're introduced to Mick Schumacher, and he is hanging out with Alfa Romeo that weekend, mm-hmm. um, which is not unusual. Like when you've got F2 drivers who are up and coming and or being considered for slots or as a or as a reserve driver for one of the larger teams they'll pull them and have them hang out with them for the weekend so Nick was yeah. there go ahead but he's also getting accorded by Haas to come in because Haas could could leverage the Schumacher name for sponsorship it was like we have Michael Schumacher's son you yep. want to sponsor him? You want to sponsor us? Then, so I understand why they're courting him a hundred percent. He's a huge. His name alone, whether he's a great driver or not, is a huge asset, at least initially. Yep. Yep. So uh, then we get to Portugal, 
Only it's announced that Haas has not dropped one of their drivers, but both of their drivers. Which which seems that was not that's not a normal thing. It wasn't to start a season. So they dropped both drivers. It's not usual. And then on top of that, they picked up two rookies, which is also super unusual. People don't do that. They usually pair an experienced driver with a rookie. Um, And they've got two. They've got Mick Schumacher, which awesome. Super excited about that. And Nikita Mazepin. Yeah, they didn't Less even yet. mention who who that was during the season, like during no. this episode. So I maybe I'll, they'll we'll learn more about it in season four. I'll give you a since we're gonna do season four, I'll give you just like a brief intro. Um, they're Russian. His dad. This is a very similar story to Lance Stroll. His dad kind of insisted <laughs> that Nikita get a seat, and I will leave it at that. Because we'll talk about um, it when we watch season and four. And that's where the similarity similarities between him and Lance end. Because Lance, yes. at least, is kind of a good driver. Uh, yeah. And then there's also definitely some outside forces that come into play. So. Fun. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I really had a lot of respect because Gunther talked about how he personally made the call to both drivers. That they weren't going to renew their contracts. And you could see he was, like, really broken up about it like he agonized about that decision but like he had to do what he had to do to keep the team going Mm -hmm. I would agree and you can see that like both drivers like where they weren't happy about it they understood their bigger concern was yeah I think Grosjean had a harder time with them than K-Mag did but yeah. yeah. Their big concern was that, like, mid-season breakup like that, they were concerned about getting a seat with another yes. team for the next season. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, I think Groshan said that. He was like, it's so late in the season. How am I going to find a, a seat? So, but um, now we're into episode eight, which is kind of like a Lando... Carlos kind of like examination moment type deal. Well, they're talking because they're good buddies. Like, Mm -hmm. and they, they were when they were at McLaren and stuff. And you kind of see Carlos hang with his dad. They were going and playing with golf. Um, But it gets announced at the early on in the episode that Carlos is going to Ferrari for the 2021 season. So, yeah. Which, Kind of, it's breaking up the brotherhood. Yes. And I think part of it, too, is that, like, they talk about this later in the season, but Lando's kind of becoming the focus of Zach Brown. Like, Land, they, Zach Brown wants Lando to be the face of McLaren for whatever reason. I think Carlos could have done it as well, but for whatever reason, Zach really liked Lando. And that's who he's going with. Um, so I think I don't think Zach, Zach Brown is surprised. I don't think he's pissed. I don't think he's really cares either. No, he's like I have the person I want, and his name is Lando. Yes, yes. Um, they also act like this doesn't happen a lot. That drivers like change. 
I feel like this shuffling of drivers probably happens all the time. Yeah. I like, this is kind of normal. We do this. Uh, Something that didn't happen this season that does happen um, is called silly season. And because there were only a handful of things during a a handful of races this year, instead of the full season, it's kind of a midsummer break that they call it summer break. That's literally what it is, but you are not allowed to do anything. You can't touch anything. Like you are nothing race related. Like it is a mandatory vacation, uh, which I kind of think is a little bit on the healthy side. If I'm not being like, yes, silly is all hell. That that is what they, you must take vacation. Yeah. You race car driver, you. Yeah. It's like a few weeks off. Everybody has to take a few weeks off. You're not allowed to do anything at all work related period. End of story. Um, but kind of during that time frame is when is what they call silly season and is when contracts start getting shuffled people get cut people get signed all that and uh, so you didn't really see that so that's kind of to me it's like where you're getting all these weird random announcements it would typically come during silly season and it wasn't there this year because of COVID. that makes sense but um so yeah so they're um that that's why okay the reason i brought that up was to say this happens all the time it's not that big of a deal like i don't understand why they're acting like it is so the drama for the show yeah we're in that second uh like second austrian grand prix this straight stria stria however you say it um carlos wants to be the leader zach wants it to be lando um but I feel bad for Carlos for this reason because he left McLaren because he wanted to be the leader. He wanted to be the number one driver. But he's he going to Ferrari. Get, right. He's going to Ferrari. Who sucks. Is, well, it's not even that right they now. suck. It's not even that they suck. It's that Charles is their driver. Yeah. So he went from number two at this team to number two at this team. Yeah. At least that's the way I see it. I, I think he just wanted to be, I think he, he wanted to be able to have it on his resume that he drove for Ferrari. He wanted to have Ferrari on I, his, I on his so list too. of teams he he drove for. I think so too. Also side note, Carlos drives a, a golf. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah, I did. Cause he talked about like, I drive Ferrari, but I drive. He's like, people ask me what kind of cars I drive. And I have a golf. Yeah. <laughs> like what Obviously, fancy car I'm, do I have? I I'm have a sure golf. He, yeah. He's definitely got the fancy cars and stuff, but he like his everyday driver was a golf, which I was like, this is great. Love it. Well, that's fucking, you know? Um, also on that race, they ordered Lando through. Carlos yeah. had to just like let it roll. I hate that. I yeah. hate that. Um, but this also kind of brings up the whole like moving to Ferrari and the Tifosi, Tifosi, mm-hmm. exactly how you say it, but the Ferrari fans. Yeah. They're intense, man. Mm-hmm. They are crazy. So, and it was not a good race for Ferrari in this episode mm-hmm. in Monza. No, but Carlos came in second. So he got to put a little fate, like he got to showcase a little bit to these these Ferrari fans. I'm going to come to you next year. Look what I did at Monza. Exactly. Like maybe hopefully start earning some fan loyalty. Mm-hmm. 
they'll welcome him with open arms, I believe is the way she expressed it. Yeah. At the end of the episode, Lando's like, I think he regrets it a little bit. And I think he does too. But I also think you're right. He was very much like, I want to be a Ferrari driver at some point in my career. So yeah. The box. Yeah. We're checking that box off. I don't think, I mean, you can tell me if, if, if I don't know if Carlos is still with Ferrari, but mm-hmm. he is, he's probably not going to stay with Ferrari forever. I don't think so. I think he'll, I wouldn't be surprised if he left soon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a weird season this year. That's a whole other story. We'll get there. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so we're almost to the end of the season, and they kind of cram it all in. Yeah. The pacing was weird when it talks about, like, the flow of the season, but I don't think they cared about the actual race season. They just cared about telling these random stories. It it was. It was very weird. Um, we're in... Episode 9. Yeah. So, episode 9, Man on Fire. They start the episode at Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Where and then we spend like zero time there. Yeah, starts starts at Abu Dhabi. Red flag, big incident. Who is it? And then, boom! Six weeks ago, like yeah. that was it. Um, we're back to where Hana, excuse me, to where Haas has announced that they're releasing both of their drivers. Um, mm-hmm. Roshan is upset, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to get a seat when it's so late in the season. He's talked to his family about retirement, but he's decided, like, nope, I want to go for it. I want to keep going. Yeah. Um, goes to Bahrain, Racing Point releases Checo, which is Sergio mm-hmm. Perez, and pick up Sebastian Vettel, which is this is going, this is Str- Daddy Stroll's team, which is going to turn into Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, so then. Now we're into practice. Album goes into the wall. Spreads, spreads. God, uh, Checo. I don't. I don't know if Album's actually a bad driver or they. He just can't handle a loose and fast car. Like I don't know what. The, I don't know what it is. I have an issue with Album, and this is like coming from somebody who's been burned several times in the F one fantasy team. So Albon isn't a bad driver. He's a pretty decent driver, in my opinion. But that man has zero consistency. Mm, like, it's yeah. he's either on fire or in the fucking wall. I I just... I meant on fire in a good way, not in a bad way. Like, he is rocking it or not. It's just frustrating. So I have no idea. Mm. Um, I, he's all over the place. Yeah. It's difficult. It is. Because sometimes he can absolutely be on fire and then the but next if you can't like, do it consistently then there's no, no point so that's my thing with with Alvin. um but red bull starts catching or checo starts catching red bull's eye in my opinion yeah i yeah they they talk about that in in this episode that his his win from racing point doesn't go unnoticed they're like right. he's getting released He's interesting. Exactly. So uh, then we see, like, the practice. Albon goes into the wall. Now we're at the race. And I believe the lineup is Hamilton, Bottas, and then Max is, like, the initial lineup. Yeah. 
Um, but shortly after, Grosjean with Haas goes into a barrier at 145 miles an hour, and you basically just see a fireball. And half the car. Half the car. I was unwell for most of this episode because of Uh, the way that they, like, I watched the Dale Earnhardt crash live mm -hmm. on television, and it reminded me so much of that because it's not like he went into one of the safer barriers. He went into a guardrail, a metal guardrail. And it just felt like it took forever for him to move. Yeah. So I thought that as well. I was like, in my brain, I was like, Jesus Christ, they're taking a long time to get to it. Because it, I think it, it was partially great. editing. It was definitely the editing for sure. But I think I, I've watched, gone back and watched it on YouTube and pulled it up like from the race, not from the the episode. But it it is a few minutes, like definitely like there's not my minutes. I don't want to say minutes because it's not minutes, it's seconds, but it feels like minutes. There's moments where you're like, oh shit. Like you're just waiting for something to happen. But I don't know if you caught it kind of right when they zoomed in on it, there was a guy standing there with a fire extinguisher and starts to spray on it. And you can actually see kind of at the angle that like you can see his arm move Mm -hmm. and they cut away from it initially. But like, that is actually the point where he starts to get out of the car, but they don't show it again until like way later. So it, it, it takes, it takes longer than you would think it, it would to get out of the car, but he does get out. But it does take he a does long get time. Out. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, and like it's it's really really scary. It more so than even like the Dale Earnhardt. Like NHRA is the moment where this like is the more comparable because those cars go three hundred miles an hour in under ten seconds. So when they if they have a catastrophic failure at the end of their run, they're going 300 miles an hour into the sand pit or into the guardrail. And it's an internal combustion engine. It explodes. And this is why, and for like a funny car, the engine is literally like the transmissions between their legs. Like it's insane. They're literally like sitting on top of the engine and they walk away a lot of the times a little messed up, but they walk away. They're able to get through the safety hatch and get out, but it's just, Oh, ooh, makes your heart like s- stop because it's so terrifying because you don't, as a racing fan, like you don't want that. You don't want to see a driver get hurt. You don't want to see an accident like that. It doesn't, that's not what you're there for. You want to see good racing. You want to see competitiveness. You in NASCAR. Yeah. You want to see a little bump in, but not like that. No, that was definitely scary. And, um, I, 
like they bring his family later out in the episode, but she's his wife said it was like from the time she saw the crash to her seeing him like walking was two minutes and 45 seconds. Now, I don't think he was in the flames for two minutes and 45 seconds. I think that's that's just how long it took for them to get him on the camera mm-hmm. because to I show that think, he was okay. Yeah, to show that he was okay. But, um, and he basically came out with just hand burns, which is an absolute fucking miracle after watching him walk out of that. Broke his foot or something too, or had burns on his foot too. Cause he has like a boot on when he comes back the next weekend and he can't, he's, he's, his season is done. But for somebody who walked out of a literal gulf of flames for his, only his hands to be burned, the fact that he even got out at all is it's crazy but it's a huge testament to the safety of these vehicles yes. and the gear that the drivers wear like their his helmet his like they wear like the under stuff and then their mm-hmm. flame retardant driving suits and on top of like the Hans devices and things like that because if he hadn't had that he would have he probably would have snapped his neck yeah and died instantly so like it it's just a huge testament to how far safety protocols have come in racing that you could walk away from an accident like that it's crazy it's absolutely crazy race resumes which i would be absolutely terrified to oh i i and like when the accident happened, every, I, they went into like a bunch of different drivers, like radios, and they're like, "Who was it? Is he okay?" Yeah, absolutely. they like they seemed like, regardless of any rivalry between any of the drivers, like none of them want to see anybody else get hurt. No, Mm-mm. I don't think that they all get along with each other. But then no one wishes anyone ill at all. Anytime there is ever anyone who's been in an accident or anything, like as they drive by or if they see it, they're like, "Are they okay?" I think there was, like, George Russell actually stopped at one point. Like, I don't remember exactly the circumstances, but I remember him getting out to go make sure that the other driver was okay. So, I, I think they care about each other. It's not, it's not like an, oh, you're uh, shitty, whatever. I'm going to let you stay in there. But um, Yeah, but, like, imagine having to race after that. Having to get yourself back in the right headspace. So then, and this is like the penultimate race of the year. Yeah. Like, this is a huge, meaningful race for a lot of these guys. And then this happened, and this happened on like lap one. This happened super early in the race. Yeah. I, I can't remember. This is the part that I get confused about. I can't remember if this is like now switched over to the next Bahrain race. Like, or was this the second Bahrain race? Like, it was very confusing the way it was in the, in the episode. Uh-uh. I interpreted that the accident happened at the first Bahrain race because they talk okay. about him coming back and then them having to put in a substitute driver into his car because right. uh, Haas is still in it for the constrictors. Constructors Cup, yeah. The second race, because then Russell Hamilton is out and Russell has, co- or excuse me, I can't talk. We're now at the second Bahrain race, which is the outer loop. Uh, Hamilton has tested positive for COVID. So Russell is filling in for Hamilton, and he got pulled from uh, Williams. 
So mm-hmm. he's yeah. he and Badass are driving. Um, and this is kind of Chaco's redemption story here in this race. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was an incident, a racing incident, kind of at the beginning, and he gets dropped to, like, down to 18th place. Mm-hmm. That and Lance her. crashes. Yeah, Lance crashes. But we don't give a shit about Lance. <laughs> he but. was fine. It, it looked bad because he, like... The thing about open wheels, you can flip those cars if you run over each other's tires like nobody's business. Yes. So it looks he a lot had, worse than it was. He had some a gorgeous overtake of Albon, I thought. That they yeah. I was like, oh, that was beautiful. Beautiful. Um, and then Badass had a real bad pit stop. Yeah. And it just all kind of worked out really, really well for Checo. And he <laughs> Winning, he did. Winning like, from 18th to winning the race. That was impressive. Yeah, that I think his impressive. overtake of Albon was both but puckeringly terrifying, but yeah. also like the epitome of why these guys are athletes. Like to yep. be able to control this car when you're literally inches away from another one at super high rates of speed. You can't tell me these guys aren't athletes. Yeah, I agree. Although I do want to talk about that when we're done here in just a second. Okay, deal. Um, so basically, Checo wins. Yay for Checo. Uh, Horner, Christian Horner kind of like ends the episode with like where he picks up the phone. And he's like, hey, Sergio, welcome to Red Bull. And then yeah, he gets picked up by Red Bull. Yeah, so which not surprised there. Checo deserved it. That was like he had a good season and it was kind of shitty the way that they like – fucked him over so I was glad that he got picked up by Red Bull even though like I'm not a huge Checo fan but he he deserved the seat he did more so he like and, and Albon not being consistent yeah he, he wrote his own check in that he has to learn to be consistent he did so brings us down to episode 10 we're almost done here yes <sighs> alright we get a little bit more Louis Hamilton now though do what? We get a little bit more Lewis Hamilton now, though. Yes, more Hamilton. More hammy. Yes. Uh, so he wins. I'm just going to say it. Hamilton wins. Everything, he, all the time. Well, at that point in time. Now we're in a different era. But, uh, yeah. So Hamilton won. He's got his seventh championship. He is an absolute legend. Like, arguably one of the best if not the best drivers in formula one history i mean just mm-hmm. way up there um the third third place for constructors cup is kind of up for grabs really who mm-hmm. wants a more racing point Renault or mclaren mm-hmm. um i think it was mclaren that kind of ended up on top there right <laughs> Yeah, McLaren ends up yeah. racing point very early on has mechanical issues with That's both right. their cars. So yeah. they end up DNFing pretty early on. And then Renault, I don't remember what happened with Renault, but McLaren ended up taking that third slot. I think Danny got a podium, if I'm not mistaken. He got a podium in that race, but like it yeah. wasn't enough. Um, Alcon, I think something happened with his car. I don't yeah, remember. it wasn't but enough to keep to keep them in third. No, so McLaren got third. Um, 
but I liked the little bit with Danny and the tattoo bet with Cyril at, yeah. Raisin, uh, at Reno. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he did get that fulfilled. I'm going to have to look it up and we'll talk about it on the next episode. But like that is just a very classic Danny type thing. Too. And the fact that the, he was like on board with it, he's like, yeah, well, I get to pick the location. He gets to pick the subject matter. Well, we'll make it happen. Heck yeah. No, I was super excited for it. But uh, yeah, overall, I mean, that was kind of it. They did like a little bit of uh, like kind of a small check in with people at the end of it. But really, like overall, that was kind of the season. So yeah, what what did you think? I enjoyed it. Like I said, I I like racing, so it was pretty easy for me to fall into liking this type of racing. Uh, I liked that it's this show is more about the personalities around the racing because that's ultimately what a lot of people glom onto is who their favorite driver is, who their favorite team is, has to do with the personalities within those teams. So this was a really good introduction into it versus just like straight up watching a race. Cause it's like, and then at that point you wouldn't have any like emotional investment into anyone. You'd be like, all right, who do we want to pick to win? I don't know. Exactly. Now I know that I like, I like Pierre. I think he's a cool dude. And, uh, Botas I think is really cool. And, uh, you know, these teams seem interesting, uh, to see the dynamics between internally and externally with the other teams. It's really fun to watch. All right. So you you mentioned a couple. So who's your favorite driver? You can say two. I don't. I don't know if I have a favorite because I feel like every episode had me liking someone else. Because like obviously episode nine, I'm like, Grosjean better not die. This is I'm yeah. not on board with this. But he ultimately retired. I think. I think he made the right choice. Like I think he actually went and did some IndyCar, if I'm not mistaken, too. But like some of them do that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but like he he's done with F1 at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, I, I like I said, I really, really rooted for Pierre in that episode. I I really liked his sort of redemption arc. Lando's silly and fun. Um, so is Ricardo or uh, Danny. Like, yeah, it's super silly and fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I have like a specific favorite yet because like it's you only see these little little snippets. Yeah, can Gunther yeah. be my favorite? Yes. Yes. Okay. Maybe not necessarily favorite driver, but he can be your favorite person. But yeah, it's hard because yeah. like I also watching back, I'm like, man, they didn't really talk about everybody. They really only focused on a handful of people that season. But yeah, and none of them were real like total dicks. So, but um, did you have anyone that you didn't like? I, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of poofy hair Italian team principal guy. Like but I thought no. he was a schmuck. He was not my favorite. Um, I think the show didn't want me to like Lewis Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't dislike Lewis Hamilton, but it's you don't want to be like jumping on the bandwagon of liking arguably the best racer out there. So it's like you don't want to pick him as your favorite because then you're just a bandwagoner fan and nobody wants to be that. Meh like who you uh, like it doesn't matter but yeah, i didn't um, really love like lance stroll 
I feel like he just isn't emotionally invested in the racing. Like just because you're capable of doing it doesn't mean that it's your passion. And I, I just don't see the passion in him. Yeah. For racing. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So overall, like it. Oh yeah. I'm excited right. to watch season four and see, see what happened in 2021. Like the post COVID World, I'm sure they're still all going to be wearing masks and things are still going to be crazy. But to see if Mercedes stays out on top, I did also really like Toto and Christian. I Yay. thought that they were hilarious, uh, whether it was intentional or not. I thought that they were hilarious. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to watch season four. Uh, maybe Good. even watch a, a race on TV at some point. Heck yeah. Silly season. Well, not silly season. Summer is almost over. So yeah, we'll uh, watch one coming up here soon. But um, yeah. Well, on to season four then. On to season four. All right, Jill. Well, thank you for introducing me to F1 and making me geek out about this too. Thanks for coming along. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. We'll see y'all next week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.